Amen. Thank you, Joshua. Uh, I tell you what, I have, I mean, I already appreciated Joshua long before all this started, but during all this season of COVID-19, I've really come to appreciate the gifts and talents that God has given to him. He's done so many things behind the scenes, technology-wise and so many other ways to to help us to have worship and help us to stay connected uh, during this season. So I just thank the Lord for him and, and thank you for Uh, Joshua, for sharing with us this morning a beautiful reminder of how much we need God. We know that. (laughs) We understand that. But sometimes we don't think about it, how much we are truly desperate for what only God can do. And Thank you for that reminder this morning. We're continuing in Luke chapter 10 this morning. We've been looking at the ninth and 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, finding ways that we can do our best. We all want to be our best for the Savior, but sometimes we have to kind of think about what are some ways that we can actually do that. And we're looking in the 10th chapter today, uh, verses 30 and 32 uh, this morning. A familiar passage, a passage you all know, but a passage that really has some deep meaning for us as believers. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. You've heard that wonderful parable before. But sometimes those familiar passages of Scripture are so familiar we miss uh, some of the deep meaning that they have. So we're going to take another look uh, there this morning in Luke chapter 10. Again, we'll start in verse 30. My chemistry teacher in high school was trying to show us what not to do. He took us all outside, and we had a courtyard at, at my high school. High school is a big, large courtyard, so he took us. He put us on one end of the courtyard, and then at the other end of the courtyard, he, he set up a table. And on the table, he had this beaker, this container of what looked like just some clear liquid. And, and then he, he took out these really big tongs, and, and he put on this this. A fireproof apron and this really big goggles and some long, look like a giant plastic or rubber gloves, some safety gloves. And he took this toggles and he picked up, it was about the size of a sugar cube. Now, from the other side of the, the courtyard, we, I couldn't really see what it was. It looked kind of like uh, what a, a, a caramel looks like, you know, a little square brown looking thing. I don't know what it was, but he, he took the tongs and he picked up this little cube of stuff and he, he moved over to where the liquid was and he dropped this cube into the beaker. And there was this loud bang, and then this cloud of steam literally filled this entire courtyard. And so after the steam had finally cleared away, uh, we could see our teacher was still standing there. He, he, He then said, that's why you should always follow safety instructions in the chemistry lab. Any questions? And the guy standing next to me said, yeah, can you do it again? (laughs) Sometimes our examples send out the wrong message. I I, I think our chemistry teacher was trying to teach us to follow the instructions, not trying to show us how to blow up the school. In one of Jesus' most familiar parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus teaches what we should do. But before we get to that part of the story, in this parable, he also gives us some clear examples of what not to do. Luke chapter 10, verse 30, we read these words. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. 
And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. If we're going to be our best, if we're going to do what we should do for the Savior, it's important to know what not to do. First of all, if if we're going to do our best for the Lord, we need to know what is important in life. Now, remember the context of this parable. We looked at this part last Sunday. An expert in the law, likely a scribe who was a renowned teacher of the scripture, had come to Jesus trying to trap him, trying to to trick him with, with a question that was commonly asked. His question was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, no doubt he thought he already knew the answer to that question. He wasn't really looking for Jesus' answer. He was just hoping that Jesus would say something that then he could debate him in front of the crowd. Or, even better, that Jesus would say something that then he could bring before the courts of law and have him charged. Instead, Jesus responds... With exactly the answer that the expert would have given. In fact, he asked the expert, what does he think? In verse 26, what's written in the law? He, Jesus replied, how do you read it? He, the expert in law, answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the expert realized there was a problem. We saw this last week. Though he knew this was exactly what he should do, that he should love the Lord with all of his heart, that he should love his neighbor as himself, though he knew that's exactly what the Savior had done, he realized that he hadn't exactly done that. So, in an effort to minimize what he was supposed to do, in an effort to lower the bar, to make it possible for him to say that he was accomplishing exactly what the Bible had said, he tries to limit the equation in verse 29. He says, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's thinking, if I can limit the number of people who are actually my neighbor, then I can justify my actions toward those people that I haven't treated all that well, because they're not my neighbor. And that's when Jesus tells this wonderful parable. A story that begins with a crime, A man was going down the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Now, this was a very notorious road. It was very steep in places. It was a difficult road to travel. It wasn't an easy walk. It was a pretty tough walk. You you would walk through some very winding paths, through some steep uh, uh, mountainous uh, cliffs that had caves and rocks. There were a lot of places along this road where thieves could hide and you wouldn't know they were there until you were right up on them and they could jump out and attack you and take whatever you had. Well, a man was going on this road, a road where he knew that being attacked was a pretty common event, so common that this road had a nickname. It was called the Red and Bloody Way. It was so bad that the Romans had even built a fort about halfway along this road and stationed soldiers there in an attempt to try to protect the people that were going from Jerusalem to Jericho and back again. But the soldiers couldn't be everywhere at once. And so there were still dangerous parts 
of this pathway. And the traveler in Jesus' parable meets with this common and yet unfortunate circumstance. Some robbers attack him. They beat him severely, so severely that he looks like he's dead. They steal literally everything that he has, even the clothes on his back. And then they leave him for dead. This was a bad day for this fellow, but unfortunately it was about to get worse. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. It is likely that priests frequented this particular road. Jericho would have been the home of a number of the priests of that day, and they would have had to travel from time to time to Jerusalem to fulfill their obligations as a priest. No doubt this was not the first time this priest had seen someone who had been robbed along this road. It's very possible that he himself had been robbed at some point during his travels along this dangerous road. So there would have been several reasons why this priest would not stop. He may have thought that the man was dead. After all, he's laying there. He's unconscious. And the priest may have thought, well, this man has met an unfortunate end. But touching a dead body for a priest would make him unclean. And if he was traveling to Jerusalem to go to the temple to fulfill his duties, if he was unclean, he would no longer be able to fulfill those duties. And so it could be that he moves over to the other side of the road to make sure that he does not come anywhere close to what he might think is a dead body, so that he does not become unclean, so that he is able to go and do the duties that he has promised he would fulfill at the temple. That may have been the reason. It may simply have been that he was in a hurry, that he was scheduled to be at the temple very soon. He had a long journey. He was going all the way from Jericho to Jerusalem. It was a hard and arduous path. It was going to take him a while. He didn't have time to stop and help anybody, or so he thought. And that may be the reason that he passes on by. Or, he may have been afraid. It was a common practice in the day of of robbers to have one of the robbers act like they had been injured and lay down beside the road so that when someone stopped to, to give them aid, the other robbers who would be hiding off to the side could jump out and attack the person who stopped to help. And this priest may have known that. He may have thought, I'm not falling for that one. In fact, I'm going to get all the way over here on the other side of the road where they can't get to me. Whatever the case, the priest sees this man and decides that it's more important to just go on by. In doing so, he forgot what was most important. Important. I'm going to guess that you've had a similar kind of experience. You're getting ready for a trip. You pack your sunscreen, you pack your toothbrush, you pack an extra set of beach towels. 
You arrive at the airport, and you're standing in the security line, and you look at your spouse, and you ask, so where are the tickets? Actually, that's not what Marcia asked me. She knows that the tickets are going to get to the airport. She's going to probably have to bring them, because I'm for sure going to forget it. But we will have sunscreen. If you're going to go on an airplane, it's a pretty good idea to make sure you bring the tickets. That's kind of important. Now, the priest probably remembered a number of things. He he, he remembered where he was going. He remembered he was going to the temple. He remembered he had a job there. He remembered he had a duty that he needed to fulfill. He remembered what time he needed to be at the temple. He, He remembered that he needed to keep himself safe along his journey. Now, all those were important things. But unfortunately, he forgot the most important thing. He forgot his neighbor. Unfortunately, in life, that's really easy for us to do. To forget what's really important. Because we have some other very important things. And they are important. It's not that the things that we do in life, our responsibilities, the tasks that we go through every day, for most of us, we're not just goofing off. We have some important things that we need to accomplish, some important tasks that we need to take care of. But sometimes those important things get in the way of what's most important. Because as we go through life, we're going to have those opportunities that God places in our path. Those divine appointments. Somebody that needs to know the Lord. And they come and they may ask just kind of an innocuous question, like, what time does your church start? Or, or, or why do you go to church every Sunday morning? Or, or I, I see you heading out the driveway every Sunday morning. Where are you going? And we may think, you know, I don't have time for this. I've got to get to work. I don't have time for this. I've got a doctor's appointment. I don't have time for this. I, I, you know, I've got this other important thing that I need to do. And we forget the most important thing is our neighbor is lost and going to hell and desperately needs to know the gospel. It's really easy to fall into the trap of the priest and just scoot over to the other side of the road and walk on by. We need to remember what is most important. Those people around us who don't, need, who don't know Jesus, who desperately need for us to tell them about the Savior. Those people around us who desperately need a church home, a place where they can connect with other believers so they can either come to know the Lord or if they already know the Lord as their Savior, they can have an opportunity to, to grow in their walk with the Lord. Those people around us who have a physical need that we're able to meet, a physical need that, that we can assist them with, except that it takes time. And so often we have more important things to do with our time. To do our best for the Savior, to be our best for the Lord, we have to remember what is most important. And that is doing the will of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than that. 
We need to remember what's important. But, but there's something else that happened. There's another man that comes down the road that teaches us another lesson. We need to be careful that we don't follow the bad example. The priest may have been in a hurry, but he might have looked behind him and seen somebody else on the road and thought, well, that guy will stop and help. He's a Levite. He'll stop and help this guy. I've got something really important I need to do in Jerusalem, so I'll just whip on by this fella and that guy will stop. So what happens when the Levite gets there? Well, Jesus doesn't put this in the story, but I think this is part of what he was saying. The Levite's looking ahead. He sees the priest. And he says, hey, there's a priest. And he didn't stop and help this guy. I don't need to stop and help him either. If the priest didn't have time to stop, I don't have time either. So in Jesus' parable, the Levite does the same thing. He walks right by. He could have stopped. (laughs) But he decided to follow the wrong example. We are going to have a lot of examples in life. The Levite looks up and he sees an example of what to do. When somebody's laying on the side of the road, one thing you can do is just turn your head and walk on by. As what the priest did, he could have done something different. Just because the priest walked by didn't mean the Levite had to walk by too. He could have stopped. He could have been the hero of this story. This could be the parable of the good Levite. Instead of the parable of the Good Samaritan. But unfortunately, that's not what he chose. He chose to follow the bad example. When I was in math in high school, our our teacher would give us problems and we'd have to work them out. But one year, I thought I had it made. Because the textbook that we got on that particular year had the answers in the back of the book. I thought, this is going to be great, but not so fast. For our homework to actually count, we had to show how we got the answer. There was always a catch in school. So one night I was working through my my math homework, but no matter what I did, I could not get the same answers that were in the back of the book. Every one of my problems was wrong. I checked my work. I checked my numbers. I checked my pencil. I checked everything. And, and I thought I was doing everything exactly right. But my answers just would not match the answers in the back of the book. And then I discovered something. I was looking at the wrong answers. I was looking at the answers to the problem for the next chapter, not the chapter that I was actually working on. I wasted a whole evening trying to make my equations match the wrong answers. That very well could have been the Levite's problem. 
He knew the problem. There's a guy by the side of the road. He's been beaten. He's hurt. But he was looking at the wrong answer. He looked to the priest rather than looking at the man who was hurt. He looked to what was expedient rather than what was right. We will have all kinds of examples in life. It is crucial that we follow the right example. So how do we figure that out? We have a lot of examples of how to live. You can watch TV, go on the Internet. You can just see people in in general life. They're doing all kinds of stuff. How do we figure out which one of these people is actually doing what the right thing is? Well, fortunately, God makes it really simple for us. First of all, he gives us the Bible. If you see an example of somebody doing something and it doesn't fit what the Bible says... Whatever it is they're doing is the wrong example. If what they're doing does not fit the Scripture, it's not the right thing to do. So that's the number one thing. If you're trying to figure out what's the best thing here in this situation, what's the right thing to do? Well, there's somebody that did something with what they did right. Well, if it doesn't fit God's Word, it wasn't. So look to God's Word. You can also look... To your fellow believers. Now, now we as believers aren't perfect. We all know that. But as believers, one of the great things about being a part of, of a church family is that as we go through life, we can learn from each other. And as we all face situations in life, we can watch each other, our fellow church members, our fellow believers, and kind of see how they deal with the situations that they face. We may face a a real crisis in our life. We may have a bad diagnosis of our own or we may have a bad diagnosis of someone in our family. We may lose our job. We may be facing some other issue in life. And we wonder, how am I going to do this? And then we can think back, okay, I've watched some, some really godly people in my church and they've gone through this. There's some people who've had loved ones who've been ill. There's some people who've been ill themselves. There's some people who've lost their job. How did they deal with that? Now, again, you want to make sure that what they did fits the scripture. Again, as believers, we even make mistakes sometimes. And, and that's important to realize. But we can look at our fellow believers. And as we look at what they do and as what we see them doing fits what the Bible says, it gives us a tangible example of how we can react to some of the circumstances of life. That's a good example. Some examples that are the right thing to do. And most of the time, those are really easy to identify. We'll we'll know those people that we know as our fellow believers, and we see how they react to things in life, and, and, and we just know, wow, God really did some wonderful things in their life. Even in that hard circumstance, God really used that in a great way. And and you know what? God can do that in my life too. If I just follow their example, if I just follow the Lord like they follow the Lord, if I just depend on the Lord like they depended on the Lord, this is going to work out. So we, we can look to the Scripture, make sure what the Bible says. And if an example doesn't fit the Scripture, not the right example, we can look to our fellow believers and see the ways that they react to the things and circumstances of life and we can learn tangibly from them What are some ways we can respond to circumstances in our life? And then finally, and actually maybe this one should have been first, we can pray. Say, God, I need some wisdom here. 
I want to do the right thing. I don't want to follow a bad example. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to want to react to something that I think is important when there's something in this situation that's more important. But God, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what I should do in this circumstance. So, Lord, I need your wisdom here. What should I do? And allow God's Holy Spirit to lead you. Allow that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to your spirit and help you to discern what the right thing is for you to do in life. James 1.5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God's not trying to string you along. God wants to help you in life. But it gives you the opportunity to ask him. So in those circumstances of life, we should always be asking, God, is, is what I'm about to do, is what I'm in such a rush to do, is what I, I plan to do today, is that really the important thing? Or is this thing that suddenly happened here that I wasn't expecting today? This person that's asking me about Jesus. This, this, and maybe they didn't say it that way, but Lord, that's the way I heard it. <laughs> Is that your Holy Spirit, Lord? Is that, is that you guiding me to help me actually hear that, that this, this question that they're asking me, that, that it's not really just about the weather? They're really asking about the one who created the weather. Lord, Lord, help me to know that. God will help you. Just ask Him. Just ask. Go to His Word. Watch the examples of fellow believers. Pray and ask God to help you. And you won't make the mistake that the priest and the Levite made. You'll be much more like the third guy in the parable, a guy we're going to look at next week. A man who realized what was most important, who stopped and helped his neighbor. We're going to find out how we can do that next week. But this week, recognize that it is important that we know what not to do, what examples not to follow, what ways not to live. And the best way to know that is to know the one who is the best example, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray to you this morning. We have a lot of bad examples in our world. We have a lot of examples of how not to do things. And so we need some help. We need some wisdom. Some ways to, to refocus. And Lord, part of that's knowing what not to do. Thank you that you've given us your word that shows us very clearly what's right and what's not. Thank you that you provided fellow believers that, that give us some tangible examples of how to react to the things that we face in life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can come to you in prayer. In those times when we're wondering and in those times when we're trying to discern what the right thing to do is, Lord, we can just ask you. <laughs> and you'll guide us, you'll direct us, you'll lead, lead us, Heavenly, Heavenly Father. And Oh, what a blessing that is. So help us, Lord, to know what not to do so that we can know what you would have us do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and, and you're looking for the most important thing that you could do. Following Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There's nothing more important than that. 
And this morning we want to help you with that decision. Now normally we would have you come forward and sit down with you and kind of talk through what the Scripture says. And we would love to do that. But because of the virus situation, we're not able to do that the normal way we would do it. So, so we will have another way for you to respond. There in the pew racks before you, there's a, a card. And if you'll just put down your contact information and just you can write on there, hey, I've got some questions about, about receiving the Lord. Or there's even a little checkbox there that says, I want to know more about receiving Christ. Just check that. And then as you leave this morning, there's some baskets at the doors. Just drop that in the basket. And we'll be glad to contact you this week and just visit with you about the most important thing you'll ever do, receiving Jesus. Maybe there's some other way that God's uh, leading your life. You've realized how important it is to be a part of a church, and, and you're wanting to be a part of a church family, and you're wondering how does that work. Again, just give us your contact information. We'll be glad to contact you, let you know uh, how you can be a part of what God's doing in this church. And he's doing some exciting things. You can be a part of that. Maybe there's some other way that God's leading you in life. Maybe your prayer would be, God, I do not want to be the priest and the Levite in this story. That is not who I want to be. And God, I can look back in my life and I can see sometimes that I've done the exact same thing. I've seen the circumstance. I've known what you wanted me to do. And I had some more important things I thought that I needed to do. So I passed right on by. And God, I don't want to do that anymore. So, so Lord, I am seeking your wisdom and your help. I want to see what's most important. I want to see the people that are hurting around me that I can help. I want to see the people around me who need somebody to tell them about Jesus so I can be the one to tell them. So Lord, I need you to open my eyes, take the blinders off, cut through all the bad examples. Lord, just help me follow you to reach out to those folks who truly are my neighbor. Maybe that would be your prayer this morning as we listen to God's voice today.